Hey everyone, welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and bring a little curiosity and contemplation to meaningful and sometimes difficult conversations. I'm your host, Allison Stoner. There are some people you look at from afar and just think... They are a real-life superhero. Living legend, true boss. That's how I feel about today's beautiful guest, Gloria Atenmo. She is a travel blogger and fountain of empowerment, acknowledged by Oprah, Essence, you name it. She's been to over 75 countries, and Forbes describes her as one of the few people who've figured out how to turn their travel blogging passions into a paycheck. Hello. Now she teaches others how to create the life of their dreams. Her epic photos and blog posts documenting the treasures and wonders of the world are enviable, but there is so much more to this woman, and her wisdom and story are priceless. So today, we are invited to tap into adventure, or at least see how someone else is doing it. Gloria, thanks for joining us. Oh my God, what an intro. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. This is a beautiful first in-person conversation. I know. I want to go back to your roots a little bit. As we were discussing right before we started recording, you are a first-generation American uh, born to Nigerian parents. And in some of your videos, you bring up the cultural and generational gap (laughs) in understanding travel as a leisure activity and not just something where it's for survival or necessity. And then also you're tackling the taboo of solo travel. Exactly. So, you know, all of the people who are listening and and thinking, well, of course I would want to stop everything I'm doing and travel the world. How did you go about going about it? Yeah, we're so blessed and fortunate, this generation, that Mm -hmm. travel is so accessible now and Mm -hmm. affordable, much more affordable than it was decades ago. And so um, me being the first in my family of eight (laughs) to want to just explore the world and travel solo and be okay with going to a destination where I don't know a single person and saying like, it's, this is going to be an adventure. Like to my mom, it's just like, Gloria, what? Like, what are you doing? Like, it, yeah. does, it doesn't <laughs> exist. She can't even wrap her mind or conceptualize the idea of someone wanting to go to a country for fun. It's mm. like you go there to visit family, to visit friends um, for, or survival, immigration reasons. So I started these like Nigerian skits that kind of like <laughs> toy around with like what the first generation s- struggle is like, mm. but also show people to put things into perspective if they are like me, um, very privileged with an American passport to be able to go to a lot of the countries um, without needing a visa, showing them like, hey, it's a generational and cultural gap. Yes. I'm guessing that some people see you from afar and go, okay, but how does she make money? Your business is now six figures. It's on its way to being a seven figure operation. Congratulations. Halfway there. I'm so excited. I'm like, ah. How did you mechanically and effectively um, make this happen? I'm okay with sharing that the first times I was like offered, like, would you write for us, write for our publication? I was like, oh, yeah, okay, $20 is more than that. Because I was so like short-sighted. I just wanted food for the next couple days. And I, mm-hmm. I, again, I'm like, if I take too much money, it becomes a job. I don't want that yet. And I was denying, you know, what and this would turn into. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you start going viral and your work starts getting picked up in bigger publications. And th- it was the very first time, I'm not sure if I should say the brand name, but the marketing manager, she wanted to hire me for four articles. This was back in 2015. And I quoted her again, like, I think a hundred bucks, like something super low. She's like, you're crazy. I could never pay you this much. I'm going to 10 times this. I hope you're okay with that. Boom. Like wrote the check. And I, 
I started crying because that was the first time someone said, okay, I know that you haven't stepped into the full potential of realizing your value, so I'm going to do that for you. Wow. And that was so powerful for me. And since then, I was able to say, okay, actually, it's okay to turn this into a business. It's okay to monetize. It's okay to understand that if I've been blogging since 11 years old, mm-hmm. so over a decade of experience, like they're not paying me for the one hour that it takes me to write. They're paying me for the 10 years that I've been writing. Right. Now that Instagram started picking up like three, four years ago when it came to like travel influencer marketing, mm. um, now I get paid for one Instagram post anywhere from 1.5 to 2K. Packaging um, brands, having different levels, like a, a bronze, silver, and gold package and mm. saying, okay, if you want a blog post and an Instagram post, you know, it'll be this much. If you want a blog post, Instagram post, and an ambassadorship representation at your next event, I'll go stand at the booth for you. If mm. you need me, you know, and just kind of like deciding like what's the most amount of work that I'm willing to do and then what's the most amount of money that I want to make from that okay. and researching before you pitch so that right. you can say, okay, I, I've been stalking them on Twitter for the last two weeks on their Instagram post. They just got this uh, recognition in this magazine. So let me put that in the pitch and let me also DM them and get the name of the person who runs their Instagram so I can have that like, again, personal touch to the pitch so that it feels like, oh, this this chick actually likes us or she really yeah. follows us. Right. Um, but yeah, so just kind of getting better at that. And then you get to a point where you do such good work, your name is passed everywhere. And next, you know, right. you're getting dozens of pitches a day and you're just like, oh, you're literally, I turned down 90% of my work because now I'm so focused on like I I don't want my Instagram to turn into this sponsored machine and I get it like early on like a lot of us bloggers have to do that but organic content is what builds your trust and loyalty in your community and if you're only pumping out sponsored content they're not going to know what to actually trust from like a non-sponsored perspective right okay what you do every day could easily be misinterpreted as just writing words (laughs) on a blog and domain (laughs) and it requires a lot of personal initiative, um, taking risk. There's a lot of discipline. I want to point out that you are not only a curator, you're not only an artist and storyteller, you're also handling the business side, the pitching, the negotiating, especially in the beginning when you're your entire team. Absolutely. But then later as you expand, you're adding people and you have to learn the art of delegation, which I (laughs) am learning right now. gratefully do you want to speak to maybe what it's like handling that business solo and then also as it expands yeah so I think the first point of that is I had to get over my own limiting beliefs that I can't get paid for something that I enjoy Mm. and when I first got my first offer to fly to a country for free or create content um, for a brand for free and I'm like wait this is what I do for fun like photography and writing like this is my passion Mm. if I start accepting money I'm a sellout I'm not really doing this for the right reasons Mm. So I had this two-year struggle period wow. of really not barely charging anything, if if anything at all. Favor, favor. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I was like, Glow, you cannot, if you start taking this money, this becomes something else. And remember, you're here to help other people travel. You're here to write content for other people. You're here to get them um, budget airline deals. And- Grabs bread and butter. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and yeah, as I struggle in my hostel bed of uh, wondering where I'm going to sleep tomorrow. I'm I'm so glad that I struggled because I think what a lot of people want to skip is the struggle phase. I was just listening to a podcast by uh, Jay Shetty. I'm Mm. sure you've heard of him. He's amazing. Yes, I have. He was talking about the five uh, stages of creation. And it's Mm. the, the learning, the experimenting, the struggling, 
the implementing, and then the thriving. And everyone mm-hmm. wants to learn and then thrive. And we, we miss that middle period. It's right. like, no, we got to struggle a little bit. We got to figure things out. Right. So learning how to pitch myself. I remember the very first time I pitched to a hotel in France. <laughs> Don't remember how poorly I pitched, but it was so bad that the way that they responded was, sorry, we will not be able to help fund your escapades, but Ooh. enjoy. Ooh. Bye. And I was just like, <laughs> So talk about being humbled. I needed that. I ne- wow. Imagine never getting rejected, never being told no. I would, I would right. cruise through life with this level of entitlement and this level of like, oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. I deserve, yeah. I deserve. So And ne- also not learning how to communicate except for in your one way. Yeah. You know, the diversity of thought yes. and, and how people express themselves. Yes. As a, as a businesswoman now, when you approach every outlet, you approach yeah. every company, yeah. you have to now think of your audience as Absolutely. a performer does on stage Absolutely. and then tailor the pitch Absolutely. accordingly. You know, yeah. what will appeal to their values? Right. And that's something that I'm learning. Um, yeah. It's humbling. Absolutely. And you got to swallow your pride repeatedly because I would love to just copy and paste and be able to <laughs> set, you know, send a bulk like 50 emails out really quickly. Oh. You know, blind copy everyone. Just say insert person here please <laughs> believe in what i'm doing because right, i do I the end you know <laughs> thank you i'll send the invoice demands. yeah <laughs> um but now you're you're adding people to your team and yeah. what's the art of delegation like for you it's a blessing um there was a quote that goes higher slow fire fast and i think you have to also understand mm. that if someone doesn't fit it's not personal yes and you need to be able to communicate with them that Oof. you know they're good at their job but they're not good at it for you or mm-hmm. they're just not a fit for you right and this idea of like a culture ad like they need to have the same like core values that you do mm-hmm. um and that was something that i missed starting out i was like oh you're friendly i'm friendly um and look you know come on the team totally and, and i was like wait everyone for the most part is pretty friendly like glow you need to <laughs> dive a little deeper, yeah, search their yeah. hearts, search their passions, yeah. and also serve as a launching pad. Like when I hire my assistant or my videographer or my retreat photographer, you're not going to be my retreat photographer for the rest of your life. I don't want that to be your end goal. Right, right. So how can I serve as a launching pad to yeah. get you where you eventually want to go? Absolutely. Having that conversation with them early on so I can know how can I best serve them as well mm-hmm. so that I can make them the, the, the contacts that they need and network and on their behalf and yes. put them in a position to also succeed. See, now that part was easier for me than the firing part (laughs) because I thought I want to invest in your future so I'm just going to train you a little longer you know what I'm going to continue offering you critical feedback that's constructive Mm -hmm. and even help you set up the boundaries you need to set for yourself until wait I'm doing your job Mm -hmm. so that has been oh I think what I assumed as I built my team would be that if the interview made sense and if the first week felt right, that I would be able to transfer my brain to them and they would just get it (laughs) and they would know and everything would work out. And and there have been so many really competent people who, like you said, are just simply not the fit. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't do in advance Mm -hmm. is prepare for the several people who will be good but not right. So I tried to make bigger business launches and moves Mm. before that team framework yeah, Mm. was right where it needed to be. Yeah, and it's all a learning experience. Just that I confess. I will say that's probably (laughs) the hardest part of entrepreneurship for me right now is Mm. delegation and the team management. Yeah. Because you could be having like a crappy day, but you need to be on for them. Mm. So like even if you wake up not feeling like, I just don't feel like having that team meeting, they need you, they need you to direct. So you need to be on for them, at least for this hour that the call is happening. And then, you know, feel like crap for yourself the rest of the day. I know. The the call to leadership and 
understanding that I am both the boss and the grunt worker, you know, who has to keep the machine going when everyone else goes home. <laughs> and I'm also the cheerleader, you know, the visionary. I'm playing a lot of right. roles. And if I don't have that energy to right. sustain myself, then maybe right. I gotta, I need to keep my goals a little smaller mm. until I sort of exercise that muscle and develop it. Exactly. When I first Skyped with you, we immediately got into this idea of having keywords for your year. Mm -hmm. And you shared with me that you had two words that were the driving force behind mm -hmm. 2019. I'm curious if you can share what those words were and yeah. why you theme your years this way. Yeah, absolutely. So my two words this year are service and surprise. And I basically wanted to su surprise myself in all the ways that I can serve others. Um, mm. I remember being in Jamaica last November and like that was the first time my blog hit six figures and that was, not, yeah, well, I never really dreamed past that. So when you reach a wow. goal that you never dreamed past, you're like, wait, why don't I feel the way that I thought I should feel? And I had this like mm. moment of like this three week depression. I'm in Jamaica, I have this gorgeous Airbnb on the, on the, on the beach, but I'm like, and I, and I see the revenue market and I'm like, I, I don't feel how I thought I was supposed to feel. And mm. I go into this moment of just kind of like, again, isolation and just like soul searching, like what, what am I missing? Right. What have I not Check done? <laughs> and I realized there's so many other people that wish they could be where I was that I'm not helping. And I'm like, all of this means nothing if I mm. can't bring people with me. And so mm. I'm like, well, you need to create products. You need to start creating services that help people get to where you want to be. Mm. Um, because that, and, and you start thinking more when you enter your thirties, cause I'm 29 now, I turned 30 um, in March mm. and I was like, you start thinking about legacy more. And I'm like, what do I want my legacy to be? Because yeah. you can build all this like fame and wealth for yourself, but right. it means nothing if you don't find a way to help others. Also, can we just talk about how the <laughs> names in the ground on Hollywood Walk of Fame, <laughs> most of them in a hundred years, none of us would have even recognized, you know, yeah. and none of the future generations will see Alison Stoner in the ground possibly one day and go, oh yeah, she was super special. We should <laughs> stop everything we're doing right now on our vacation to research her contribution. No, yeah. no. Invest in the legacy that doesn't always need your name yes. as the stamp yes. as well. You yes. know, put it into the programs that are serving people, especially if we're all interconnected anyway. It's sort of yeah. like serving the person in front of you is the same. I can imagine traveling can be really raw. Yeah. And you spent most of your 20s right now on the road. Yeah. Which is, oh, so impressive because um, I'm just thinking of the resilience in your cells. <laughs> um, I remember seeing a quote about following your calling and how there's, you know, confidence and strength, but there's also a loneliness to answering that call within right. because at a certain point you're probably going to be physically and um, metaphorically alone right. um, as you step into the place you're meant to be. How have you embraced these moments of facing and supporting yourself while right. in unfamiliar places? Yeah, that is such a great question. And I think loneliness is such an interesting concept because I do think if you're someone who's like an entrepreneur or trying to like reach the next level of mm. your creative journey, it does take this really um, isolating experience or this isolating phase where you just need to go into like this cave and just create and yeah. figure out what you want and what you want to do and how deep you want to explore yourself. Because yeah. I think the biggest thing that most people experience is that they're afraid to be alone. And mm. once they find that 
they're going to be with themselves more than anyone else for the rest of their lives. Like right. we'd spend so much time with ourselves and we're terrified of that. Mm-hmm. For me, I was like, you know, why don't I use this time to actually like face my inner demons and yeah. like confront myself? Like what, why does this trigger me? What about this still makes me mad? Like what, what have I been like shutting out for like the last 20 something years yeah. that I still need to work on? Because now's the time to do that. Were you thinking about this self-discovery as your traveling intention or were you thinking, I want to turn this into a career right from the beginning? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think um, anyone who books a one-way ticket to Europe <laughs> with $500 in their bank account isn't really thinking about like, oh, this could probably be a career. It was right. kind of like, let's see how long this money can last. Wow. So very bare bone budget, like $10 a day was like, that was cutting it close. Like, How'd you do it? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> this hostel life that most people are like, oh my gosh, like hostels have like such a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. But basically um, on, on the lowest end, it can be a room, like a 24 bedroom room of like just a bunch of 20 year olds who are all like, bare bone budget mm-hmm. travelers for probably a lot of different reasons yeah right? exactly mm-hmm. or it can be um a two-bedroom situation you sharing another room with another woman from like france and okay. you, they become your best friends in that country yeah that, so it can be a very interesting experience but you're paying five to seven dollars a night for a bed in a safe environment and you're like okay that's all i need mm-hmm. and then maybe you're picking up a two uh, euro baguette from the grocery market and again you can get butter from like the hostel uh, kitchen and mm-hmm. so i've survived off butter and bread for several months And I published those uh, moments like on my blog and in my book because I wanted people to understand like if you're coming into my chapter 10, learn about my chapter one through nine struggle first. I mean, also for relationships, (laughs) you know, people see you shining and thriving, even also people's perception of joy. They see your smile today and they might assume that you've always had it. And when people comment on the happiness or the joy that they feel from my feed, I have that moment where I want to take them back and say, no, 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 I've learned this smile through the shadow and dark period, I actually, even though I was privileged circumstantially, wasn't privy to joy within until Mm. much later. Mm. So it it is helpful that through your blog and and just everything that you share, you're able to kind of draw that um, spectrum of experience in a realistic way. But specifically with traveling, there was something in this past year health-wise that you were battling. Yeah. So I knew over the last like year or two that I had felt some stomach pains um, and that like my stomach was just kind of like bloated a lot and I'm like okay period pains or you know maybe I'm eating something and again you're on the road constantly so right. different bacteria different foods are probably triggering different things in your body so mm-hmm. um, for the longest time I let my pride stop me from going to the doctor to get anything checked out I was like I've worked so hard to build this lifestyle health body don't you dare try to like tell me that something's wrong with me because I've I've worked I've hustled for this and nothing can as stop it as if your body is a competitor with <sighs> you Exactly. And not an ally signaling. Exactly. A cr- mm. silent cry for help. Wow. So finally in Malta, the stomach pain got so bad that I, I literally had to like run to the, the hospital. Like, okay, like sir, like emergency room. Like, it's, can I just get a CAT scan? Can I get something checked? Like, I don't know what's going on, but it really hurts. And so they see that there's this 28 centimeter cyst basically just growing on my ovaries. Um, mm. They said it's ready to burst at any moment. And it needs to go in emergency operation. And I'm like, can I call my mom? I'm processing this. I'm like, wait, is it benign? Like, what? And they're just like, do you plan to have kids? And they're asking me all these like questions. I don't even have time to process the guilt for silencing my body. I'm just like in like, not survival mode, but I just kind of cripple at the weight of the diagnosis. It was just so heavy and so much. And I just 
didn't know how to take it at the time. And next thing you know, like 16 hours later, I'm, I'm on the theater bed, ready to go into operation. My mom's here. It all happened so fast that the recovery period is when I really started mm-hmm. to let everything hit me. And that was like the most depressing, like four to six weeks of my life. Yeah, you were in crisis mode. So you were yeah. responding to the crisis. Yeah. You had a, an ovarian cyst the size yeah. of a watermelon yeah. for how long? It, it's been growing for about two years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mind you, people see you posting photos, smiling, gleaming. And I was so good at covering it. Like I literally mm. was shopping in the maternity section. That's how much in denial I was that I needed to cover this. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't ready to face it. Again, living my life, living this dream life that I built and struggled for. Like body, how dare you try to stop me mm. again? Just pride, ego. It was it was such a humbling and necessary thing that I needed to go through. Right now, I call it the biggest blessing of my life. Sure. Had that not have happened, I mean, I just... I don't know if I'd had this level of gratitude and just awareness and thanks, you know. So what are some of the other myths about traveling abroad that people skip right over? Yeah. um, (laughs) Well, there's a lot of, um, especially in the solo female travel community, um, when a lot of like people on the outside world just see females who travel solo, there's this myth of like, oh, they're just promiscuous. They're just going around to like sleep. But yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It, it just became like a really like shameful thing to be solo traveling by yourself. And you check into um, hotels or hostels and like, oh, just one by yourself. Go, you go to restaurants, just the one. And I'm like, yes. You know? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not stuttering, you know? And there was this idea that something must be wrong with her. That what's this enigma of this creature again like yeah. I'm like I'm a confident person and being that just wants to explore the world and not wait right. for someone else to wait for the right time to do it as well hello I think another um, aspect of travel is that it has to be super expensive or it has to be super luxurious and I tell people that two hours north south east or west that's travel mm-hmm. get in a car and go to a neighboring city and have like a staycation yeah. with a best friend or with a family member that's right. travel as well we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back Welcome back. We're here with Glopra, as some people call her, learning about entrepreneurship, her travel blog. And now for everyone who has a dream, but life is busy and they don't know how to set aside the time, energy and money to make it a reality. Can you tell me about your new courses? Blog like a boss. I created it's like my labor of love. I created it a few months ago. It's so special to put everything you've learned about a specific topic on paper, on video, into a script and feel like, wait, am I giving enough? Mm -hmm. They're going to they're going to need more. You know, Um, the testimonials for my first round were were such a blessing to get that affirmation. Yes. Because, again, you know how little you slept, like, you know how much you cried, you know how many times you had to re-record the videos and edit them yourself. You know the hours that you put into it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that doesn't always translate and people take for granted how much goes on um, behind the scenes. Right. But it has been such a beautiful journey to create something that I wish I had when I started yes, out. Precisely. Things, things that took me two years um, to learn can take someone else two weeks. And having that just direct mentorship and guidance and the group coaching, like every Sunday we hop on a live weekly call, um, video call where I'm just like in their face, pumping them up, like, let's go. Like, you know, what are your questions uh, from the last module? Let's go over this. Someone unmute yourself, talk about your struggles because I don't want it to feel like this one-way street where it's like, all right, here's my content, right. digest, figure it out. So blog like a boss course.com is where all the information 
information is about getting the course. And it's actually going on tour in 2020. Oh. <laughs> it's my first time saying it out loud, <laughs> which is super ow, exciting. Ow, ow. <laughs> so make sure you check out her courses. Yeah. I know I will. So now I want to shift to... The fact that you're writing your second book. Yes. <laughs> and it's right now it's tentatively titled, okay, working title, Confessions of a Black Traveler, The Raw, The Real, and The Ratchet. <laughs> I can imagine this will go oh, much further yeah. than just how many times a day you have to answer, but where are you really from? Yeah. Which is absolutely <laughs> despicable and racist. But um, I know that you're going to get even deeper into it. Can you give us any glimpses as to what it'll be like? Yeah, so there's so many layers to what it's like being a Black traveler in countries where there's little to no Black population. Mm. I touched on it a little bit um, starting out in my early blog years, and I think that's what really helped with my virality is no one wanted to talk about the real experience of what it was like to be a solo Black woman in a lot of these countries mm. where they just, just had never seen or been exposed to Black women or their only exposure was this like, um, one aspect, one really far uh, dynamic of what, right. you know, black women can be um, in this day and age. And so them seeing like, oh, wow, educated, you know, intelligent, can speak English very proper. So just having to assume the teaching role, um, oftentimes I'm like, I'm going to these countries to learn from them, but I was the one doing the teaching uh, because, it, and it was like, but it was this humbling moment mm. where I'm like, okay, would it, I rather ha have it be me, someone who's been traveling and does this for a career okay. than the next person who it's their first time abroad. And they're like, wait, why is everyone touching my hair? Why oh are people gosh. rubbing my skin? Yeah. Why is this little boy picking up dirt and rubbing it on yeah. my hand and telling me it looks the same? Yeah. You know, so all these like microaggressions and having to say, okay, like on the grand scheme of things, this is like 5% of my experience, mm -hmm. but I do need to let people know that it happens. So in case it happens to them as well, they don't feel turned off by the entire idea of travel. Right. Now, I think I read a blog post where you were talking specifically about showing up somewhere that might have been a dream stay yeah. and then being yeah. unintentionally disappointed yeah. or finding you really don't like the place right. or maybe even the culture or community, food, whatever it is, right. it just doesn't, it's not in accord with, you know, your preferences. Right. How do you turn something that's seemingly negative into a chance to, you know, embrace something new or be positive and at least right. get home going, okay, I made the most out of that visit? Right. I, I think the last thing someone wants to do is spend a lot of money um, on a destination that really underwhelms them. Mm -hmm. And But it does happen. That's the thing that is a part of the travel experience is, you know, in Instagram. A lot of times I'm guilty of this, of, of painting this perfect picture of a destination. Yeah. And someone goes there in like peak season and there's like 10 times the population. Right. I don't sell a dream. I, I show the reality. So my Instagram story serves as like, okay, here's what happens. Like I'm, it's 4 a.m. guys. I'm going actually straight from the dance club um, to- So you know, watch her stories. The Duomo <laughs> <laughs> to get the content of the shot of the sunrise peeking over the cathedral. It's so good. You know? <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the reality of travel. And I think again, with it being more affordable and accessible today, um, the population and the crowds are going to just continue exponentially growing. Right. And now I'm going to go even deeper into your personal <laughs> life. If you've been traveling for this long, what has companionship looked like for you? Yeah, I think it's it's super interesting because I so I grew up in a family of eight. And so this idea of independence was just never a thing that mm. ne never a luxury that I was afforded. Um, I remember sharing a room with my four sisters. Um, yeah, for like most of my childhood. Mm. So the second I got freedom and space and like just liberation and being able to be incognito in these countries, I was 
like, whoa, I can do anything I want with anyone I want. You know? <laughs> so you have that moment where you're like, okay, wait, no, 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 calm down, calm down. Right. Um, but you do meet people and it, it's always interesting kind of comparing um, what the, the courting and dating culture is like in other countries versus right. here in the States. Totally. Um, so I, I will say it's it's been interesting and fun and exciting kind of being like, wow, men can be really chivalrous. And like, I've never <laughs> had this experience, but I'm glad I'm having it finally in where, Croatia. Where you I know? was going to say. Croatia. Croatia. Top place to visit. Montenegro, Serbia, Romania. Um, yeah, I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's really exciting to just kind of like, even if you're not going on dates, just kind of see how men treat women or or women treat women or men treat men. You know, it's it's just it's something interesting to observe and then also be a part of. I will actually take a hard pivot. Okay. And instead of just talking about the the glittering and shining moments, there are, you know, dangers to traveling yeah. that aren't just your physical safety. It's actually also your contribution and what you're doing yeah. to the local community and having a broader understanding of, um, you know, volunteerism. How do you ensure or what advice do you have for people who are traveling um, that your footprint there is a positive one, that it's okay. representing, you know, okay. your values and hopefully your country well, yeah. but also um, is not exploiting unknowingly right. or right damaging. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is do your research. One of the biggest things that um, one of the most exploitive industries um, in developing countries is kids will go around mm -hmm. selling postcards right. or trying to get you to just buy their little things or just donate to them. Um, the more you support them and give to them, the more enforcement that their parents get to not keep them in school or to not right. put them in school. Right. It's a weekday. They should be in school. They should be learning. They should be getting an education. But instead, they're out on the streets doing the job for the parents. And you don't want to reinforce that behavior. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's the biggest thing um, when it comes to animal tourism. That's a huge one. I think by now, most people know that you should not be riding elephants. There are countries where they rely on certain types of tourism, but you can still support the local economy without exploiting the animals right. um, in the process. Right. So doing your research because Coming aware, there's more documentaries coming out. There's more articles that are just kind of like exposing the truths behind a lot of what we thought was us being supportive to different oh, countries. I know. You know, but privilege. Um, <laughs> you know, the it, blind spots of privilege. Exactly. Yeah. And um, and I also see this as well in a lot of Facebook travel communities, this like shaming culture. Like it, it's it's one thing to do something, um, know that you're doing something wrong and just go for the picture anyway. Mm -hmm. But for someone who's unaware, like the way people attack and bully online is also something that we have to stop as a collective travel community. Right. Um, because again, it comes down to an education and awareness. Um, so yeah, just sticking by each other, letting each other know like, hey, maybe don't do it with this company, but this company is maybe better. Right. Um, this city instead of this city, this village instead of that one. And I'm sure like you that. have your whole due diligence process yeah. with when you're working with companies. and Yeah. A quick thing that bloggers or influencers can do to make sure they're working with reputable companies is first checking the other bloggers that they've worked with. Because mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. there are like certain names that get passed around that are like kind of blacklisted in the industry mm. for being the ones that kind of just take any kind of money or just haven't delivered on their products. Mm. So if you go to a Google search and you type in the brand's name and then all opinions are my own, because that's a Sponsored disclosure that all bloggers have to put in their blog posts. Ooh. So type in the brand name and then all opinions are my own and it'll bring up all the bloggers that have worked with them. Ooh. And you can say immediately like, okay, that person has a really bad reputation in the industry. So I know I can't work with this brand because right. by oh. default, by proxy. Association. Yeah, and exactly. So if you were able to 
kind of recap all of the places you've been <laughs> and and make a list of the top three, either experiences or um, places to visit. Do you have like a favorite three or maybe to recommend to someone who's new to traveling and yeah. just want something different? I have my top three, but I'm okay. like, it's unfortunate that they're all pretty expensive destinations. Got it. Um, but I will preface by saying the flight is the most expensive part. Once you get there, it's... No, it's actually actually. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll so we'll do the bougie and then we'll do the okay, simple. Perfect, I like it. Yeah. Okay, so Japan because okay. uh, they're twenty years ahead of like the rest of the world. I know when it comes to technology, <laughs> it's just everything just makes sense, and you're like efficiency, like wow. Yeah, who the art floors thou? are heated. Come oh, on, <laughs> just, um, and then collectively, they're just such a respectful community. Um, you're not allowed to tip there. I say allowed because they will literally chase you with your money. So Japan, okay. where else? Norway, super green, just super efficient they are so eco-friendly I, I it made me so like conscious of like my, my carbon footprint and I was mm. just so aware and, and the ways that they're so proactive with just everything everything feels so efficient everything is very eco-friendly the air even was like oh, it's just fresher here you know nice uh, so very naturally beautiful and the third one I would say is Sri Lanka um, they okay. call it the teardrop of India yeah so it's it's beautiful it has the culture of India but the beauty of Bali it's it's this like fusion of like palm trees and beach bliss but also rich heavy context of like India is just such a beautiful and oh, rich yes. country so mm -hmm. there's just so much context of like yeah just everything you you feel it all like all of your senses are being stimulated at once uh, that's Sri Lanka so. okay we got the bougie bougie okay let's see the <laughs> if we need something simple the, the simple. affordable Affordable. Yeah, maybe not simple, but affordable. Yeah, so Colombia is okay. a really uh, easy, quick, cheap flight. Um, Cartagena is a beautiful place, super colorful uh, streets and city, very vibrant. You really get this, like, just fun. And it, if there was any city that, like, represented me, like, if I had, like, a... A, a city in, personification. In essence, yeah. yeah, it would be Cartagena because okay. it's so colorful. It's so vibrant. Mm. <laughs> so Cartagena, uh, Colombia, number one. Number two, I would say Petra, Jordan. Okay. Um, again, Middle Eastern culture, I think, is some of the most hospitable in the world. Mm. The food, the cuisine, the people, absolutely beautiful. And then third, I would say... Whew, Third. The fact that you can even list this many cities. Nah. Like, <laughs> I got to I got to plan some trips. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Marrakesh, Morocco. Yeah. It's, mm. it's, it's a special place. And I think when there's cultures that are like hard, like dominantly male, like that are like out on the streets and stuff, there's a reputation or a bad connotation um, mm. that it's like, oh, it's not safe for female travelers. Um, but I think Morocco just has so much to offer. It's not a place that I would go solo. I've gone solo, but I can say that the average person who's not on the road constantly will probably be like, oh, there's so much going on, okay. you know, and th th that might trigger some like insecurity. Um, but okay. I think um, it's definitely just a place that I, I could go to twice, th three times a year and like it wouldn't be enough. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. I love Morocco. Well, the next time you go, let me know. Okay. <laughs> so you once tweeted, if you were the same person, you were two, five or 10 years ago, change your circle, yeah. move to another city or learn a new language. Yeah. If you could summarize your growth in yeah. one ultimate life lesson <sighs> from your travels, Man. which is sort of like advice for all of us, what would it be? That's part A. Ooh, okay. Should I answer now? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's fall so deeply in love with the process of growing. I think I've become like almost obsessed with this idea of evolution that mm -hmm. like the person that you met three months ago is 
I don't know who they are anymore. Yeah. Like, I, you have to meet me again because yeah. I'm always on a journey. Every morning I'm listening to a podcast. I'm doing the self-work. I'm meditating. I'm journaling because I want to tap into, like, what's going on in here? Yeah. What's going on in here? Because I want to make sure that the mouth, the mind, yep. the heart, we're all in sync. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, fall in love with the process of, of growth. It would be my biggest thing. And then part B. Okay. Where to next? <laughs> Malta, which is where I currently throw money away. I say that because that's where um, I pay rent. Okay. But I'm never there. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, so, yeah, that's where um, I have an apartment. Um, I signed a lease back in March. Wow. And so I know that my first ever time, like, having an apartment at 29 years old. I was like, guys, I'm hitting up my friends. I'm like, with all these like yeah, new what questions. What does this sign here thing mean? <laughs> what does it do when I press this button called rent? Oh my gosh. It, it's It's been fun. And I think that's probably something that I really value now is just having somewhere where I can like store all of my things mm-hmm. and go, go back to a familiar bed and be like, oh, this is home. Awesome. Go back and do my laundry. And if I'm in between trips, just go back and switch suitcases. Like, okay, this is my summer suitcases, my winter suitcase. Right. I need winter right now. So I can just like, choo-choo, and then right. be off. Uh, well, it has <laughs> been a pleasure oh. having you. Thank you so much. You as well. Thank you for having me. Seriously, this is yeah. such an honor. <laughs> I, I really feel as though people listening, hopefully, will hear your enthusiasm for life and for growth and also the adventures that you've dared to take um, and and apply that to their own their own lives you can follow gloria at theblogabroad.com on instagram at glow graphics g-l-o-g-r-a-p-h-i-c-s and if you want to sign up for your courses, check out bloglikeabosscourse.com. Yeah. Time for this week's takeaways you can use as affirmations for your life and your dreams. Honestly, I have more than three <laughs> because we kept the conversation going off the record and she added a couple takeaways that I don't want you to miss. So I'll say each twice and you can repeat in the space for the third. If something um, that aligns with your future aspirations, really internalize it. Don't just uh, don't just say it here. Make it a part of your week and your life. All right, to begin, number one, I honor my struggle. I honor my struggle. Second, I enjoy the journey of growth. I enjoy the journey of growth. Third, I am intentional about investing in myself. I am intentional about investing in myself. And the bonus takeaways, I create before I consume. I create before I consume. And finally, I am disciplined with my morning routine. I am disciplined with my morning routine. These last two are speaking to the power of establishing that routine that she shared has helped you um, reach your goals and 
be the entrepreneur and leader that you are. And in fact, I could have flipped them around because of your morning routine. You realize the importance of creating before consuming. Thank you so much for listening to Simplexity. I'm so glad to be having these conversations with you all. It would mean so much if you could take a second to rate and review this podcast. And if you haven't already, click subscribe to be first to hear each week's episode. I'm Allison Stoner signing off on Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace. Thank you for listening to Simplexity. I am so glad to be having these conversations with you all. It would mean so much if you took a second to rate and review this podcast. And if you haven't already, click subscribe to be first to hear each week's episode. I'm Allison Stoner signing off on Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace.